Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Welcome, guys. Hello. Paul, I'm on, like, episode eight of Doom Patrol. Oh, are you? Okay, what do you yeah. think? You're, you're further than I am, I think. I, it's not that I disliked it. I just got behind on it and never finished it. I think I'm I really like through. it. I really like it, though there are moments where I feel like the sh- the show would benefit from me being high. <laughs> and, and as someone who who does not partake of uh, chemical stimulants other than than scotch, uh, I, I, I there are moments I'm like, wow, this is really sort of trippy. Yeah, you know. Well, and you know, whiskey doesn't help with that, or scotch doesn't no. help with that. No, it really doesn't. I mean, you know, scotch helps with a lot of things. But, Most everything, uh, except yeah. when I need to be high. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a depressant. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have added Doom Patrol the on uh, DVD or Blu-ray to my Christmas list. So oh, hopefully yeah, I did see I'll it came see out this December. week on Blu-ray. What came out? Doom Patrol season one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, it's super good. I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying it. You know, uh, the, the thing that I marvel about uh, Doom Patrol is it's a longer season than Titans. Yeah. But yet doesn't have that middle slump that we've talked about before with the Marvel Netflix mm-hmm. shows where you're like, just, just get to the story. And they do make some detours around the ongoing story. Yeah. It's more, uh, it's definitely more episodic than yeah. uh, serialized Doom Patrol. I find. Yeah. But uh, I, I really do enjoy it. And, but you know, one of the things that, you know, you and I, Paul had talked about that it is a much stronger R rating mm-hmm. than Titans. Uh, even though Titans is also for a mature audience, I don't think they need it. I the only the only reason I feel like they need that quote R rating is you know Cliff's catchphrase, which is the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, didn't you say there were boobs in the first episode? Well, but they, there are boobs, and there's boobs in other episodes as well. I don't, I don't think the show needs it. Is, yeah, is the point I'm making? Other. Than to say you would never get to hear Cliff go the fuck, and it's funny you know, that every is, time. That is, <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't talk about it on the show because neither of you have gotten there yet. But uh, size Titan season two, I've been watching that. I'm all caught up on Titan season two, and I will say it is as strong as season one. How, in fact, there are aspects of it that I enjoy more because it actually focuses more on the adult Titans than the kid Titans. Um, you know, with Donna Troy, Hawk and Dove, and Dick Grayson are, are more the focus this season uh, than, than uh, Beast Boy and um, Raven. But the only qualm I would say, the only issue I have with it is that as good, of the ca- as, good as the casting is on the main cast of actors, Batman and Deathstroke are woefully miscast. Oh, really? Especially when you see, especially following such great casting in other mediums. Um, they cast Isai Morales as Deathstroke. And I think I like him. I like Isai Morales, but he plays Deathstroke pretty much like comatose. Right. <laughs> like, like there's, n- I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Deathstroke is pretty even keel guy. Like, you know, I'm fine with that, but he, he plays the dude like, like monotone and, just like nothing to him, right? And they cast e- Juan Ian Ian Glenn from Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, I like him as Bruce Wayne. But again, it's like he's like old ass Bruce Wayne. Like there's nothing about this guy that that feels like he should be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like know, even I, as a bald I, spot. Like I'm like Bat. What? Yeah, <laughs> Batman yeah, with a bald spot. Spectac- that's wrong. Yeah, Bruce Wayne has a spectacular head of hair <laughs> at any age. Came yeah, out think, of the womb with a pompadour. Yeah. <laughs> I think the real question for me and Aaron, though, Paul, is uh, how much focus does crypto get? Um, so none yet. However, the title of the next episode is Connor. Uh, and so the, the the theme I've noticed on Titan Season 2 is that there is a wild cliffhanger at the end of an episode and then a flashback episode following. So it kind of alternates, which I, I think they had a bit of that in season one as well. They did. They um, did. So, you know, in season two, they had an episode uh, focusing on uh, Aqualad two episodes ago, and then back to the present, which ended on a cliffhanger in this episode. 
And then next episode seems like it's a flashback to what Connor Kent has been up to since escaping the facility at the end of season one. And uh, yeah. I think crypto will be very much a part of that episode. So is this the first time that you've seen Connor this season? Yeah, it'll be the first time. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, if you have knowing how se- how episode, I think episode five was what just aired or episode four, whatever, what, knowing how this episode just ended and knowing that the next episode is about Connor Kent kind uh-huh. of resolves how the cliffhanger of this episode is going to uh to uh resolve it kind of explains how the epi- how the cliffhanger is going to resolve itself when you have Connor Kent like popping up like oh this right. is how Connor Kent will come in and resolve this cliffhanger but regardless I, you know it's, it is a very well done show uh you know some spoiler f- uh pictures have leaked from set showing uh, Dick Grayson in his Nightwing costume so i'm assuming we are building up to that in the second half of the season Interesting. Do we, do you know how many episodes this season? Thirteen. Um, thirteen. Yeah. Because like last 13. season, I think was eight. I think it was eleven. I think they had planned for twelve, and they stopped an episode early, or maybe it was nine, and it, they planned for ten, or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, they they cut one episode just to end on a, a cliffhanger. Yeah. Silly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. Well, since we're talking about DC Universe, I might as well talk about some of the stuff that uh, came out during New York Comic Con. So this week weekend, New York Comic Con is going on, and so DC Universe had a panel. Uh, a number of things were announced at both the DC Universe and DC Animated Properties panel. They've announced that um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse, the sequel to Justice League Dark, uh, the animated movie, will be coming in 2020. Uh, they also had, as part of that announcement, the... It slipped in, <laughs> is that DC Animated Movies will now premiere on DC Universe 90 days after the physical release date, instead of day and date. That's some bullshit, Paul. That is some bullshit. Because it used to be day and date all of a sudden. Fuck you, Paul. Yeah. That's exactly what they said. Um, Because there's there's a pretty decent slate coming in 2020. Uh, Wonder Woman Woman Bloodlines, I think, might be coming out this year. Uh, But in 2020, we have Red Sun, uh, Justice League Dark, and Superman Man of Tomorrow, um, which is a kind of... Uh, uh, Clark Kent's early years as Superman will be coming next year. And then 90 days later, and I think I I, I got to imagine it's because the people who buy DC animated movies are also the same people who actually pay for that DC universe service. So I'm sure it killed the sales to do day and date of the, the blue and Blu-ray and DVD releases. Yeah. So I'm sure that's why they did it, but oh, it's frustrating. Um, they also had they also announced the premiere date for the new Harley Quinn uh, animated series, which I think is in November sometime. But still, no word on Star Girl. No announcement of Titans season three or De- or Doom Patrol season two. None of that came out of New York Comic Con. We've talked about this on a previous episode that I, I am concerned as to the plans for DC Universe in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Star Girl is one of the shows that I was most excited about when they talked about DC Universe too, and then there's been nothing for a while. Yeah, I mean they had a, they had a picture come out, and I understand some of this stuff has longer tail ends of post production, that kind of thing. Uh, the only thing they really announced was Bizarro TV, which is a mixed media television series, which I've got to imagine means some episodes are animated, some episodes are um, live action, but it's going to be. Uh, like different, like a, a, an anthology series. They say they're going to have episodes about Space Cabbie and Slam Bradley and The Creeper and Ambush Bug. Um, and but other than that, and uh, an unscripted series, there's nothing new that was really announced at, at Comic Con. Which you know, if you it, everyone is like, we're all kind of expecting some announcements, right? Um, given that we're for anyone who prepaid. I think we we prepaid for 13 months or 15 months or something like that. Yeah. So that that expires at the end of the year. So everyone's kind of waiting to find out like am I going to renew? And right now they're, they they ha- they haven't really given anyone a reason to renew. Bizarro World is not it. <laughs> you know. So Paul, you know, if you get to December and there's no additional announcement about, you know, live action series, do you renew? I would say probably not, because Titans Season 2 will have ended by then. Unless there is something to draw me in. Because, yes, there's the animated movies, but with them 90 days after premiere date, like, I'll just buy the ones I want to buy for, you know, 15 bucks when they come out. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, which is what I'm doing. But, you know, so that that's pretty much it. I mean, I know they supposedly have a, a bunch of original content in the works. Like we said, we said there's Stargirl. Um, I still haven't seen any of the Young Justice Outsiders. But, you know, there there's... I don't think Harley Quinn is enough to pull me in or to keep me there. Uh, Doom Patrol Season 2, I guess it was announced that it was renewed for Season 2, but... Yeah, um, I saw that. You know, and, and Young Justice is coming back. But again, none of it is like... I need to renew. Like I really yeah. enjoy Titans. I really do. But I, 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 they, they only have three more months to really convince me that 2020 is worth staying for. Yeah. Cause what you could do instead is wait for the season to drop, wait for the entire season to be there and then just do it for a month and watch that season. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, the move that a lot of people are doing with CBS all access. Cause the only thing out there worth watching is Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I plan on doing that to watch Picard when it drops. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get it for a month and just watch Picard. Now, Picard looks hot. Paul, did you see that there's a, already a short trek out there? What? Yeah, I think they released the... Uh, I didn't watch it last night because I forgot about it, but I believe that they dropped the uh, Spock number one uh, short trek. No, I did not know that. All right, yeah. I will have to watch that, and we'll have to record a Star Trek with Aaron and Polly soon. Absolutely, because, you know, a lot of shit came out yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, before we move on from in, from DC stuff to talk about some of the uh, the Marvel news coming out of New York Comic Con, uh, I did want to mention that Joker. This is, it was there was a lot of concern about Joker, and you know, like don't go see Joker. It's the most dangerous movie. You'll die. You'll die if you see Joker. Oh, you will be murdered if you see <sighs> yeah. Joker. It's yeah. worse People than. It's worse than calling Candyman. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> People are so ridiculous. I saw comments like that out there of. Uh, you know, I decided I was going to brave the theater and go see it. It's like, really, people? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not like every. It's not like movie shootings happen every week. They've had. We've had like two. Um, now, don't get me wrong. One of them was a Batman-related movie <laughs> that featured the Joker. But come on. Um, but that being said, not to discount those horrible tragedies, but you know, no one got shot, and Joker broke box office records on its Thursday release date. With like the highest October domestic opening or something like that, they're saying it'll make ninety something million this weekend, um, which is kind of shocking for I gotta say a film that I really everyone tells me you need to see Joker, you need to see Joker. Why aren't you going to see Joker? You seem like you want to see Joker, and I'm like I don't really want to see Joker. Um, not because I'm afraid of getting shot, but like honestly. Everything I've read, like everything I've read about Joaquin Phoenix, pisses me off. Everything I've read about the director pisses me off, <laughs> and the film doesn't look that great to me. Like, yeah. like I don't like. I'm already not a Joaquin Phoenix fan, but like seeing some of the behind the scenes footage where he's getting snippy with people, um, reading about how they treated the actors, and Todd Phillips complaining about I can't do comedies anymore because of today's culture, like. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Why do I want to give you my money? So I'm with you, Paul. I I am not overly interested in it. I figured I'd wait until like DVD or streaming. And then I got a text the other day of, hey, I've got a free ticket for this. You want to go? So I'm going at noon today to see it. I mean, I'll see it for free 99. But I don't know. I like my Right now, my plan is to wait for DVD. Because quite frankly, the next time I'm going to the movies, I'm going to go see Rambo. Like, I want to see Rambo more than oh, I want to see I Joker. I do want to see Rambo. But, you know, I got to tell you, the, the thing that bothers me a lot about the Joker, other than Joaquin Phoenix, because I've got Joaquin Phoenix issues, but uh, is the fact that it seems so much like the film uh, The Comedian with Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis yeah. from back late 70s, early 80s. And that was a great film. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I, I, I am not a big fan of the villain being the center of the film, you know, being yeah. the, you know, I, I, I need a Batman in a movie, in, in a movie with the Joker. I, you know, I, I need, I need there to be some good in the film, some hope. And, uh, you know, everything I've read about the movie, I've not seen it. But everything I've read about the movie tells me that this is not a movie for me. And I'm sure it is well acted. I'm sure it is well directed. Everyone who's seen it that I'm aware of has really enjoyed it. I mean, there are definitely people who haven't enjoyed it. Newsarama gave it a rather negative review. Um, Boy, but, uh, uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is a podcast out of mm-hmm. NPR that I listen to every week, they, they, they said, you know, he's got a very really interesting performance. The movie is not good. 
Yeah. You know, so it's definitely getting like both ends of the spectrum. No one's like, eh, it was all right. Everyone's either like, fuck this movie or, <laughs> or, oh no, that was the greatest thing ever. Joaquin Phoenix is going to take all the awards. Um, you know, but the, the, the grand consensus of what I'm seeing is it's essentially a remake of Taxi Driver or The Comedian, um, you know, portraying itself as a comic book movie, which, you know, I mean, that's honestly what the, that, that's what I got from the trailers. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't expect this to be a comic book movie. This is with the director they've got, with the cast they've got. This is not a comic book movie. And let's be honest. Todd Phillips, the dude directed Old School, Road Trip, Hangover 1, 2, 3. Then he did some shitty movie about gun running that had the guy who played Reed Richards in it and Jonah Hill. And now the Joker. It's not like he's really known for being a solid director. Um, again, I'm not saying hey, that the Joker... The Hangover series was a, a magnum opus of quality. <laughs> I like the first one. Um, but, you know, it's just, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, for me, for what it's worth, uh, as a comic book fan, as a lifelong fan of Batman and the Joker in DC Universe, like, I'm I'm the DC guy. Um, the fact that I'm like, ah, I really don't want to see Joker. Like, the only reason I'm going to... Like, I feel like the only reason I'm going to see Joker is FOMO. Yeah. Um, but don't, you know... Part of me feels like the Joker is most effective when you don't know his origin story. Yeah. I think Joker is most effective when he is just this force, right? That is, it, you know, uh, to use a term that I've heard several times in, in uh, reviews this week, that where he's a chaos agent, right? Yeah. Um, like Heath Ledger's Joker. And I think that was yes. the brilliance of Heath Ledger's Joker was him. You know, you think, oh, wow, we just heard the Joker's origin. And then he tells you another one and then another one, you know, and I, and I think that's the brilliance of that, not just Heath Ledger's performance, but the writing in that film is that, you know, the Joker never shoots straight with you because he's a chaos agent. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you're, you know, let's see the Joker before he was the Joker is really misunderstanding the, the, the attributes of that character. You know, yeah, jokers com- just come from fucking nowhere. I completely agree. Some characters are just, you don't need the depth behind him. You just need him as he is. Just like Doomsday should be a force of nature, Joker is a force of nature. You know, yeah, I don't, don't disagree, need- but at the same time, I do actually like the Jack Nicholson take on the Joker. I like the the killing joke. Like, I, I don't mind, which is the same essential origin. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't mind the Red Hood take on the Joker. I actually don't. But, you know, there there is an aspect of sympathy to the killing joke in the flashbacks. But that all goes away when he shoots and rapes Barbara Gordon. And that's part of the Joker's character that I think this movie seems to forget is the Joker shouldn't be sympathetic. You know, right. He, he no, should absolutely. be evil. You know, yes, he, he he may have a sympathetic origin, but once he cracks, like, you can't justify it. Well, and from what I've heard of people have seen this, they they get that. I mean, after he cracks, it apparently is very violent and very dark, and there's no justifying him. Nah. You'll have to tell but, us what you think, Wayne. I don't know that I'm going to see it yeah. this week. I'm going to see Rambo. <laughs> I really want to see Rambo. You're going to have to tell me how that is because I'm not going to get out and see it probably till next week. When Rambo cracks, that's something I want to see. <laughs> uh, so also this weekend, outside of the Joker's New York Comic Con, like I mentioned, we talked about some of the DC news that has come out of it. New York Comic Con is not really your your place for a bunch of news, though we have you know for a bunch of new announcements, at least as far as uh, mixed media. Uh, you know, we got some some cool Star Trek trailers. Uh, you know, which I guess they weren't ready for the Star Trek mission, Las Vegas or whatever. But Marvel has announced a number of uh, upcoming relaunches of titles, including um, Guardians of the Galaxy, a new Thor from writer Donny Cates, who I guess is their new go-to guy because he's writing half of their line. Yeah. Um, a new Wolverine book um, written by... I know it's got Andy Kub- or Adam Kubert on art. Um Crap! I don't remember who the artist or the writer is. Something Percy Benjamin Percy is the uh, the writer on that book. Uh, Benjamin Percy was involved in that audio drama, the the Long Night. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's the taking podcast. Over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And uh, they also announced that there was a there is a, an upcoming relaunch of the Star Wars series, which we all kind of expected at some point. Uh, so there's a new Star Wars number one coming from Charles Sewell. On, uh, Who on has writing. really demonstrated he can write some Star Wars. So oh, yeah. That's that's actually good news. And uh, artist Jesus Saiz, who did, who's uh, done a, a lot of great work. He did, I think the most recent work I've seen of his was that Doctor Strange in Space mm. book. Um, in space! space! And this one takes <laughs> place in between uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's the that's the era that I'm really interested in. You know, the the previous took place prior to Empire, yeah. uh, which was which is a great you know niche there. But the, what I'm really wanting to see is you know where Han is is off the stage and how dark some of that gets. So yeah, uh, you know, yes and no because I feel like I already saw that in um, what was that big Shadows of the Empire, which I loved Shadows of the Empire. You know that was that meet that was that proper. It was basically everything except a movie. Like mm-hmm. they had comics, they had books, they had video games, they had a line of toys, they had a yeah. a novel, they had a whole bunch of stuff. Everything except a filmed meet movie um, that explored that era. And I I genuinely enjoyed it. That's when we had Dax Rendar and the Outrider uh-huh. and all that stuff. But uh, I'm assuming we're about to get all that erased. Well, I, I, yeah, because. They uh, they've rebooted all that crap, but you know I I I'm excited to see Marvel's take on it because yeah. that's what we've not seen. And hopefully, you know Charles Sewell as a as a Star Wars fan will incorporate some of that stuff somehow. Hopefully, yeah. I, I I I'm interested in seeing that part of the story. Yeah, I might jump back because I really enjoyed the Marvel uh, Star Wars stuff when they started, and then I got so behind I just quit reading it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it, it's so just, another jump, another reboot might be a good time to jump in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think the, the problem is they, I don't need 60 issues right. in between the movies. I really just need like a 12 issue miniseries. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, that was part of my problem with the earlier iteration is that it just seemed like there are so many damn Star Wars books. Yeah. And in addition know, to all the other books I buy each week, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, these can come out. And when the stakes are minimal, because you know your cast of characters is right going into the next movie. That's that's you know like you you that's when you come up with oh Luke Skywalker met Boba Fett and he didn't realize it because he was blinded. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that's when you have to come up with stupid crap like that just to uh, right. to to justify your stories. Which well, I think that's one thing Marvel did well was adding in new characters where you don't know, like the Doctor Aphra stuff. Yeah, you don't know what his you know what his fate is i will say that's the best thing that's come out of all this is dr afra oh no the the murder droids oh yeah bt and triple zero droids yeah those are my favorites (laughs) i I book just on them just (laughs) going around just killing people willy-nilly love that shit (laughs) well speaking of murder we get a lot of murder in this week's dc's to number five well actually we don't get a ton of murder we really just get one big murder yeah, it, I got to tell you, this issue is heartbreaking. It is traumatizing. I even told Aaron, I'm like, Aaron, like this week's issue of Deceased, like, I just want to jump off the roof after reading it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, DC has done a marvelous job of creating stakes in this series, even though it's a Elseworlds or alternative you know, universe story, you know, it's not in the main continuity. They have really gone to great lengths to make me care about the characters as opposed to making me feel like they're disposable, like Marvel Zombies did. Yeah, I mean, you you never in Marvel Zombies feel emotion when a character dies versus in this book, they really get into not just the gory, bloody, violent death. They get into the the heartstrings every time a character is killed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every, every hero death has meaning, has value. Uh, I mean, it's just, it is, it is wild, uh, you know, how, how they are able to throw some amazing events on the page and then make you feel the, uh, the weight of, of what's happened. Mm-hmm. On the panel after, I just, I, I think Deceased has really done a remarkable job of that, and you know, I, 
<laughs> I, I, I truly feel like somebody over at Marvel is going, you know, maybe that's what we should have done with zombies because, you know, Marvel zombies was just played for laughs. Right. right. Well, they they I mean, had they did release their Marvel Contagion book this week, which I didn't pick up. I did uh, not. But I think either. that's their response to this is their Contagion series. Well, I just I think Deceased is is a marvelous book. Uh, you know, pun not intended, but uh, <laughs> I, I I really do. I, I think that it, that that it's terrific. And you know, Paul was texting me. You know, after he had read it, going, "Wow, you know, I'm going to need a hug. I'm going to need some some therapy, some uh, you know EAP or something." And uh, wow, I read this book, and it really did break my heart. I mean, it was a it was a rough book. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of pages though that I would love to have like up on a wall. Lois Lane clocking Lex Luthor. <laughs> I, yeah. I would love to have that artwork hung up somewhere. Well, and you know, it, it, there are genuine character deaths that are surprising in this book. And um, th- there, there's a moment with, and I don't want to ruin everything because if you haven't read this issue, if you haven't read the series, I highly recommend going out and reading the series. Um, but the, the moments with Superman in the second half of the book and what he has to do and the results of it are just like, I mean, like Aaron said, just heartbreaking. And you, you're like, the, the, I think the the title of the issue is Hope Lost. And as a reader, that's how I feel reading the book. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, like something horrible happens at the beginning of the issue, you know, from the end of last issue. And you're like, okay, okay, there's still hope. They're going to rebuild, blah, blah, blah. And then when the end of this issue happens, you're like, oh, my God. Like, they're fucked. They're, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. There's no way out of this. Yeah, it's yeah. all... What Superman has to do and what, you know, it goes against his very nature and he has to be reassured. And then when he actually does it to pay a price as well, leading into that last half of the book, like you were saying, it just all of it all together for a Superman fan that had hit all of the heartstrings. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I really did. Uh, you know, it's hard to use the word enjoy this book, but I, I really did enjoy the book in how uh, thoughtful it was, how honest it was. Uh, you know, it's a fantastical story. You know, it's the, a, the, it is a horror book set in a different universe, right? It's one of those. What, uh, it's a what if, like you said, alternate universe book. Yeah. But it is true to the characters. It really is. And that's what I find so enjoyable about it. It's taking the characters that you love. So many times we they tweak the character well you know to to go in that other universe and they tweak the character where the character is not recognizable you know uh but no these are these are your standard dc universe you know characters they're just in a world where the anti-life equa- equation has run amok and i just i just really enjoy this yeah and there was there was a moment in this book where i flipped the panel and immediately had a holy shit moment uh-huh it was a death i did not see coming in any way whatsoever i knew who it was that did it you know they were kind of it was obvious who was there attacking but that death just completely caught me off guard i didn't see it anywhere and i gotta give him credit for that even in a book where characters die frequently and nobody is safe. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. It's good stuff. It is. They highly recommend you to go. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I really don't do a whole lot of print books anymore, but uh, I would imagine that when they come out with the deluxe hardcover of this, because there have been some fantastic variant covers. In fact, the uh, Wonder Woman zombie variant that was out this week mm-hmm. is just straight up breathtaking. Um it might be worth considering a uh, hardcover purchase at that point because uh, so, some of the variant covers are just amazing. It's a great book. Highly recommended. Yeah. Yep. And also from DC Comics this week, another not so – well, actually, I can't say another. An, for me, a not-so-great book. Um, I would agree. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we get Legion of Superheroes Millennium number 2 uh, from Brian Bendis and a, and a group of artists, um, including – Jim Chung and, and a couple of other folks. And I got to say, guys, like, I hated this book. 
I hated issue one, so I was out with that. I didn't hate issue one. There was enough in issue one to me for me to go, eh, let's see, let's see what happens next. And then I read issue two, and I'm like, wow, like, like this almost makes me not want to pick up Legion of Superheroes. Well, the problem with this book is that Bendis employs a character from the 20th century and the 21st century to carry you into the Legion era, right? You know, cause he, he wants to give you that perspective character so that you can relate to them because, you know, they've been in our world. Um, you know, and it has this person walking through all of the you know future history of the DC universe. My problem is, is I don't like her. I, I don't like her in the, in the Superman books. I think she's in action comics right now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, is showing up in the Lois Lane story. I don't like Rose and Thorn. Um, I uh, I don't think I, particularly I, invested in them as a character to begin with. No, and I don't know why Bendis chose to use this character. You know, it's it it reminds me of uh, when he found uh, uh, Jessica Jones. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, a character who predated him that he then sort of resculpted. I feel like that's what he's doing here um, to less effect. Yeah. And my problem is, you know, he's he's chosen this character who's a little hard boiled like Jessica Jones. Uh, but it's a character I just don't care about, you know, and and so her interactions with, you know, the future of the DC universe. I just don't care. I mean, I've been I enjoyed a lot of the art in the book. Like the, uh, I believe it's the Jim Chung uh, artwork with OMAC is gorgeous, um, and there's a lot to appreciate artistically, you know, from 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 the visual storytelling. But in terms of having a story that engages me and makes me want to read the the new Legion book, could care less. Now, I'm still going to buy the new Legion book because I'm excited about the new Legion book. Um, I'm just did not care for this as a lead in to that. I agree. I think I, I'm going to pick up the first issue of Legion, and I will tell you, if it's bad from the beginning, I'm not going to continue with it. I'm going to drop out after issue one. Because for me, Legion of Superheroes is already a hard sell. And right. so I don't need much. It, it, I need more to keep me in, to get me invested, than I need to get me to, to, to duck out. I hear See, you. Legion of Superheroes is one of the, those properties that. I love the characters. I've loved individual storylines, but there have been so many series and more misses than there have been hits that like you, Paul, it's kind of a hard sell at this point, even though I like the characters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like, um, the, 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 what is that other book? The, is it the one that Tom King wrote, uh, for DC that they did the relaunch with the new 52 that was also set in the future. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm trying to remember, but it's it, the the point is like the, the Omega Men. Oh um, yeah, well, and I mean, he completely missed the 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 point of Omega Men. Yeah, well, and not just the you Omega know. Men, but also you know the um, the gosh, I'm really struggling to remember some of the names of these characters. But the Challengers of the Unknown, things like that. Yeah. Like those those are things that I love from a conceptual standpoint but have been done poorly more than they've been done well so for me to pick up a more than one issue you need to do them really well and uh i'm I'm concerned about legion of superheroes but one thing that i did give a shot on uh which is something that aaron i don't even think i bought it originally i think um aaron said he was interested in it and had uh recalled that uh the original book that this is uh, i guess a uh I guess it was only this is just part of Marvel's like 80th anniversary. Yeah, I think this is just one issue unless it does really well on the stands. Yeah, is Bizarre Adventures. God, did you read Bizarre Adventures back in the day, Paul? You know, I feel like I remember it, but I don't recall. Yeah, I can I couldn't tell you any stories or anything specifically. Bizarre Adventures was an anthology series uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s that was uh, in that great uh, ma- uh, black and white magazine format that uh, Marvel had back in those times. Like that's the way they did Howard the Duck when Howard the Duck graduated out of uh, comic books and, and yeah. went to to the newsstand only. And I think Savage uh, Sword was that way also. Yeah, yeah. You you had you had some Conan out there like that, and uh, they they did some reprints like that. But and you had that uh, there was a great Hulk 
magazine that was out there as well. Um, but, you know, Bizarre Adventures would have, you know, Marvel Comics characters uh, in an anthology setting. So in one book, you'd have, you know, a Western, you'd have a sci-fi story, you'd have a horror story, you'd have, you know, the X-Men doing something. Um, it was just a great sort of, of mashup of stories. And it was always the most talented people working on the book. Um, I mean, you'd see just some gorgeous artwork in those books and, you know, a lot of mature storytelling. Um, I, I just have a, I have a great big, you know, warm spot in my heart for Bizarre Adventures. I, I, I read some just terrific tales there. And so as part of the 80th anniversary, Marvel uh, produced one. I don't I've not seen it in print. I, I doubt that they did the big magazine format for this. I doubt particularly, it. Particularly since they're colored pages. Uh, well, and on top of that, looking at the the digital edition, which is how we write right. it, it doesn't seem sized different. Correct. And, and, you know, the, the thing that I find amusing, Paul, you know, there's the cover on the book, which it d- is not particularly evocative of um, the old Bizarre Adventures covers. But if you flip to the next page where, you know, it's got the uh, sort of of uh, Frazetta slash Boris Vallejo uh, cover showing, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the caveman and the woman on the page mm-hmm. that was, those were the kind of covers you got on bizarre adventures. Yeah. You know, a lot more epic illustrated heavy metal sort of, uh, sort of covers than, than, than what they actually used. But, you know, I just, I, I, I was really excited about this book and there are four stories in the book. And the first one is uh, bloodstone and bloodstone. For those of you who aren't familiar with character, he's a Viking era character uh, who has a shard of a meteorite uh, that looks like a big red jewel called the bloodstone embedded in his chest and it imbues him with superpowers. And he, uh, here he goes around the world, you know, wiping out you know horrible things, horrible monsters and whatnot. Becomes aware of a sorcerer up in the mountains, and the the artwork. I mean, I just think this is beautifully drawn, very uh, evocative of the sort of sword and sorcery artwork that we saw back in back in those days. Um, also reminded me a lot of Northlanders. I, I felt like some of the artwork was uh, was very yeah. reminiscent of that. Very much enjoyed it and particularly enjoyed the reveal that the wizard up in the mountain, because you thought you were just going to get a really straight up sort of sword and sorcery sort of story. The wizard up on the mountain is a fucking scroll. Yes, I thought that was awesome. (laughs) I really enjoyed this story and I, I thought it was a great story to come out the gate with. The next story is Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu and Wayne. This story is right up your alley. Uh, there are uh, dogs play a uh, an important role in this uh, in this story, and you know it's just essentially Shang Chi meeting up with a mentor uh, once a year to to fight it out, and it's a, it's an interesting fight. I hmm. really enjoyed the artwork. I have not enjoyed artwork on most of the Shang Chi stories I've seen over the last several years. This was a Shang Chi story that I super enjoyed. That's I guess, yeah, that one was well story. done. Even if I had noticed the book, I probably wouldn't have picked it up because most of this 80th anniversary stuff has been reprints. Right. But if these are new stories, this is sounding interesting. I, I en- particularly enjoyed, you know, they did that thing that Bendis was doing uh, during the, you know, when he featured Shang-Chi and Iron Fist, you know, naming the moves, you know. So you had Raging, Tri- Raging Tiger, Millipede God Punch fastidious rooster and then this one move wolverine does when he fights drunk <laughs> i uh i really enjoyed that i, I thought that, that was a great story uh i felt like the momentum changes when we get to the dracula story now i am a huge tomb of dracula fan uh mm-hmm. Marv Wolfman's run on that is legendary. I, 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 I have nothing but the kindest things to say about Tomb of Dracula. 
I was put off by uh, this Dracula story just from the artwork. I did not feel like the artwork matched the story. The story is very somber, very brooding. And then all of a sudden it becomes light and gay because he teams up with a Van Helsing to fight a pack of werewolves. Yeah. My big, my biggest objection to this is the way they draw Dracula. And he, they do that thing that I can't stand in, in the way uh, – illustrators will shorthand hey this is a vampire well they'll do the little triangles like fangs over their lips yeah that just irritates <laughs> the living fuck out of me um but i did like the story and i also liked liked you know it demonstrated that he had a fondness uh for a van helsing mm-hmm. you know and i i thought that was a, a great story so where this book goes off the skids is the fourth story Oof, it's i so am bad. somebody i really really like bill foster black goliath i really do i love that character hated this story thankfully it's only like three pages long but still thankfully yeah and it's just stupid yeah it's i mean i what i did like about the story is that you know bill foster explains that uh his his mass and went for for growing larger comes from an extra dimensional power source, right? Mm-hmm. That he he is essentially stealing mass from another from another realm. Well, we do get views of this extra dimensional world where every time he steals mass, those people get sucked up into Bill Foster. I thought that was actually really interesting, Paul. Yeah, but you um, know, the, the but storytelling was all, miserable. Yeah, the rest of it's just paid for laughs. Yeah, and it's and it's drawn like you know. It's drawn like a mad magazine, you know, uh, sort of jokey story. And that's what I didn't like about it. I thought you, there was a kernel of a really interesting story here um, that just didn't land because of the way they wrapped it. Yeah. But boy, I sure I I would love for Bizarre Adventures to come back. I am real, real weird about my anthology series, but I, I, I felt like they did a really strong job. Uh, telling this, the these stories for Bizarre Adventures. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was an enjoyable read. Um, it, you know, you, you, I feel like you got your money's worth with all the different stories in there. Absolutely. But, you know, it all depends on how you feel about anthology books because it is yeah. very much an anthology book. It's not going to move the needle on the main title or anything like that. Um, right. But, you know, it'll, you'll get a, some focus on some characters who just you don't see very often. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. Big thumbs up. Way to go, Marvel Comics. So, also from Marvel Comics this week, we got the launch of the new Ghost Rider series, Ghost Rider number one, that, you know, features the return of Johnny Blaze, and I didn't realize it was also going to focus on Danny Ketch, which I guess I should have known. So, we get two Ghost Riders for the price of one. Yeah, the I knew it was focusing on Danny Ketch was the whole reason I was getting it. Ah. So, uh, what do you think, Wayne? I know you've been looking forward to this one. First of all, this was way better than the uh, the absolute carnage issue. Yeah, I don't disagree. That was horrible. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the book. It could be a lot better, but I like seeing Danny back. I want to see them. I want some character progression. I'm tired of drunken Danny. I get the impression we're going to see that resolved here. Yeah, and that's my hope is I want to see that resolved. That Ghost Rider is my Ghost Rider. So anytime seeing him in action, I'm happy. Uh, and I like the, it looks like we're going to have Ghost Rider fighting Ghost Rider and mm-hmm. coming up quickly. And I like that as well. I'm not really a, a uh, Johnny Blaze fan other than I loved him in the 90s when he had the Hellfire shotgun. Yeah. So the concept of this Ghost Rider book is that uh, demons have escaped from hell Johnny Blaze is, you know, coming to to pull them back to hell, um, and he pulls in Danny Ketch to help him, but it's revealed at the end of the book, spoilers on, um, that hell has has infected Johnny Blaze, and he, he's gone off the deep end. He's gone too deep, and so Danny Ketch <laughs> has to stop him. Uh, so, I mean, from on, the, the art is by Aaron Cooter. I, I actually think the art is very well done. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I, you know, Aaron Cooter... I'm I'm a fan of his. Sometimes his stuff's a little hit or miss, but I think on on Ghost Rider, uh, his his yeah. style is very effective. There's a great page of Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider riding in, and it's just like the motorcycle up in the air. Yeah. Uh, beautiful art. Um, I think 
there's, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to check out this first storyline, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting me enough um, to, to continue with it and see the, the Ghost Riders fighting. I don't know, you know, where the story's going to go from here, but I am a Ghost Rider fan. Uh, it seems like Mephisto will come into play, which I haven't seen. I'm sure he's been around, but I haven't seen much of Mephisto in quite a while. Yeah, I haven't either. I was surprised to see him in the jail cell. I thought he was dead. I think he's been off. You know, I mean, for me, I think I haven't seen Mephisto much since one more day. I'm sure he's been around again, but I just haven't seen him. Um, so I'm curious to see what they, you know, what they do about that. Is Mephisto going to come back and take over Hell? Is something else going to happen? Are we are we going to have two Ghost Riders, or is are we finally going to only have one? I don't know, but uh, I'm interested. Uh, I'll check out this first storyline and go from there. Yeah, what I need is I need quickly Danny's character progression. Because uh, Mopey Drunk Danny, i not a fan of that, and I need that to start going away quickly. Uh, what did you think of the backup story, The Caretaker Chronicles? Oh, that was interesting. Um, and the Caretaker was a, a character heavily featured in those Johnny Blaze stories from the 90s, the Midnight Sun stuff. Um, and I guess I didn't realize that his his daughter, granddaughter, great granddaughter, something like that, had taken over as the new caretaker. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know the old caretaker was dead. Yeah, but so uh, he's she's taking over for him, and uh, it, it appears as if, um, you know, it, it, at the end of it, she you know she looks at a new book and and inherits the knowledge of the book. And what happens is it's like here's the it's basically a preview story for here's what's coming up in the pages of Ghost Rider. You know that's kind of a a Bendis or Jeff Johns trope that you know there's the two page spread of what's coming up this year in Ghost Rider. Yep, one of them is one of the things in the picture is Mephisto sitting on the throne. Yep, you've got Lilith there and uh, her army. I have no idea who that is in the middle. With the uh, the sword and yeah, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I like that. I like the backup as well. Uh, I'm on board. I just I say I need character progression quickly with Danny. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm sure we'll get something by the end of this first story arc. Elsewhere in the world of Marvel, uh, Wayne, you're not reading the House of X stuff, right? I know. I think I asked you every week, and you said no. Yep. <laughs> no. I, I jumped out of it. It's one of those, I know this is not for me, so I gotcha. I stepped away. Well, this week we get the finale of House of X. Next week we get Powers of X, issue six. And and so House of X is, um, it, it's the, con- I wouldn't say the conclusion, but kind of the resolution of some of the outstanding threads of this first arc that sets up the status quo for what we're going to get in Jonathan Hickman's X-Books going forward. Well, it's the it's so, you know, you have revealed to the world your plans for Krakoa. Right. Mm -hmm. And now this is the foundations of Krakoa. So, you know, if if the foundation of the United States is the Declaration of Independence and, you know, the and then the the Constitution, this would be the Constitutional Congress, uh, the first meeting of the Constitutional Congress of the nation of Krakoa. Right, because they're they're mm-hmm. establishing their laws, and then actually uh, judging and and um, uh, sentencing based on those laws immediately thereafter. Yeah, and here's where I would like to declare some bullshit <laughs> because uh, number one, uh, uh, Sabretooth is charged with and convicted of a crime that occurred. Off the soil of Krakoa. Yes. And before Krakoa had established laws. And he is sentenced into perpetuity for this crime. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I think that the, and the law is no mutants do not kill men. That uh, mutant, no mutant shall ever kill a human. Yeah, Wherever so that's you one are. of the three, right, that, right. that they've established of, in this book. Right. And... Which is fine. I think it's I think it's great to have laws and to enforce laws. I think it's a little bit of bullshit to punish someone for a law that you didn't have on the books and that you hadn't hadn't I mean, you know, they tell you ignorance of the law is no excuse, but how can you be aware of a law that hasn't been made? Well, and let's be fair. You're telling me that Wolverine and all uh-huh. those characters didn't kill any humans when they were up in that space station? Yep. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's some bullshit, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Creed gets punished because no one's willing to talk talk for Creed. Creed, right? That's his name. That's his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I think that was some some just real bullshit. I, I real bullshit. Um, Justice so for Creed. Laws, yeah, exactly. No justice, no peace. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the other two laws are make more mutants. They need to go out and yeah, that that was uh, Kurt Wagner's uh, 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 contribution that he felt like, you know, that they should be all about the business of baby making, that yep. there ought to be more mutants. So make more mutants is, is the first law. Let's get with the and, screwing. That's what. Kurt yeah, said. Mm, that hot, dirty sex. They need to make a whole bunch of Jean Greys so that Cyclops can have a Jean Grey and Wolverine can have a Jean Grey. <laughs> you know and that seems kind of unfair to people like, say, North Star. Yeah, um, yeah, poor North Star. Um, <laughs> then the la- the the last and and third uh, law is respect this sacred land because Krakoa doesn't play. Uh, in fact, uh, Doug Ramsey makes the point, hey, let's not get into a whole bunch of property rights when we're talking about Krakoa because, uh, you know, you guys don't own shit, <laughs> you know, because yeah. Krakoa is his own thing, um, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting and really made uh, Sebastian, whatever his Shaw. name is, Shaw, thank you, Sebastian Shaw really chafe at that. Uh I, I I think this is a great book. I really have enjoyed all six issues of House of X. So I have a couple of thoughts here, and I have yes. enjo- I've enjoyed it as well. I thought this was an interesting book in that it is like there's no action in this book. This is essentially the establishing of laws, and I'm like, interesting how they decided to wrap up their series with essentially a, a like a meeting, right? Yeah, <laughs> like a it, business. Yeah, meeting. it's like, it's very the- much a denouement from from the rest of the of the series. Yeah. Um, so first of all, we still don't know who the Red King is. Uh, there, there, there's the yeah, Quiet there's... Council of Krakoa, and we know who every uh-huh. member of the Quiet Council is, except the Red King. And I don't know who it could be, based on like the fact that he's the Red. Like Red is clearly a hint, but all the all the characters that I can think of are already called for. Yeah, like Mister Sinister, Apocalypse. Like I think it's all interesting that the three heads are Professor X, Magneto, and Apocalypse, which makes sense as the first mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have uh, you know, the Winter, Sinister, Exodus, Mystique, Spring, who are the uh, Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost, and Emma Frost has to bring in the Red King, but we don't know who it is. And then you have Summer, which is Storm, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, and then Krakoa, who's Cypher and Krakoa, which Cypher is yeah. really just the translator for Krakoa. Okay, so Apocalypse is on the island, right? Yes. Yep. And they charge Creed with killing a human. Uh huh. But Apocalypse just gets a pass. Uh, yeah, that, that's the inconsistency of this from the jump. Right. Like, I, mean, like how, I, yeah. I guess they only go back as far as a week. If you've killed a human this week. <laughs> well, but I mean, Wolverine has. Yeah. But of, but of course, that Wolverine died. Not fair. Right? You know, so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and, and there's also this these interesting moments at the end of the book. So at one point, Wolverine takes a, a beer to uh, a character up on top of a, the top of the stairs. I don't know who that character is. Um, at first, I thought it was Silver Samurai, but the the art is so it's far in, and the art is great on this book, but it's far enough away that I can't tell who the character is that Wolverine is extending an olive branch to. Yeah, that felt intentional. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, this interesting, you know, Jean Grey, talk, you know, is making a me- is extending the olive branch to Emma Frost by bringing her a can of beer, uh-huh. and uh, Emma Frost looks behind Jean Grey's shoulder and makes googly eyes at Cyclops. Yep. Which you know, I, I don't know if in this current continuity if they're still a thing because I don't think Jean Grey and Cyclops are currently a thing, but I don't know. I, I'm very interested in seeing how Powers of X wraps up, and I will certainly pick up the first issue of this. I don't know that I'm going to pick up the first issue of every single one of these X books, but I certainly will of at least the Jonathan Hicks, Hickman X-Men book and, and see where it goes. That is my commitment at this time, is that I'm going to stick with the Hickman book mm-hmm. and just see how that works out. Yeah. I, I think he's also contributing to New Mutants. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll see who the art teams are. I'll look at the preview pages, but the only one that I'm 
picking up Sight Unseen is going to be that X-Men book. The rest of them will, I will have to read a little bit about before I invest in them. Yeah, I'm going to look at all the X-Men books after the relaunch. His is the one I know I won't be picking up. <laughs> it's the reverse. Um, so, you know, that leads us into next week's uh, stuff, as well as not just next week, but at the time of this recording, uh, by the time you're listening to this, probably, the series premiere of Batwoman will have shown on the CW uh, at, based on, you know, Kate Kane and, and the story of that book and you know, leading off to the the new seasons of the CW superhero shows, which is leading up to Crisis on Infinite Earths later this year. Who are are you, all of us watching Batwoman this week? I will be watching. Yep, I'm going to set it to record. I don't. I'll watch it before next week. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm not going to watch it live. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not some sort of animal that watches <laughs> things when they broadcast. Commercials. Get out of here yeah. with that. <laughs> um, and uh, this week in comic stores, we we just talked about Powers of X number six coming out from Marvel Comics. Also, I'd like to point out that Hickman got all twelve of his issues out on time. Right. Just saying, and, and in such clock. an abbreviated amount of time. Yeah, with the same artist. Like just it's it's possible. Um, so we had uh, the Powers of X number six, also from Marvel Comics. We have the launch of a new Doctor Doom book from Christopher Cantwell, who, if you're not familiar, is one of the writers of the TV series Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, it's the new monthly ongoing series um, featuring Victor Von Doom with art by Salvador Larocca. I'm in. I'm all in. So I'm curious about that one. Also from Marvel Comics, we have uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 31, which is the second part of the Absolute Carnage tie-in that Wayne and I talked about last week, as well as Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Allegiance number one, bridging the gap between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Uh, I'm picking it up. sounds very exciting, Paul. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. I'm sure it sucks, but I'm going to pick it up anyway. Um, From DC Comics, we get Superman number 16. And the reason I'm I'm referencing that one specifically is because it's uh, from Brian Bendis and David LaFuente and features the Super Sons return. Uh, This is the the first real interaction between Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne since Jonathan Kent has has aged a few years. And before he goes off to the Legion of Superheroes, uh, I I think it's their, their adventure together. Uh, you know, where he shows his return. Also from Brian, Brian Michael Bendis and DC Comics, Event Leviathan number four, where we finally get the reveal of who Leviathan is. Or Event Leviathan number five. Michael Bendis. In my opinion. I think it's, yeah, I think it's Bendis. <laughs> um, we also get from Brian Bendis, Batman Universe number four, continuing that story. And uh, as well as Joker, Year of the Villain number one, which is co written by John Carpenter. Uh, the you know, horror Halloween creator, the thing escape from New York, all those things um, is, is writing the Joker year of the villain one shot. So I will be picking that one up as well. Well, very exciting. Uh, we would love to know what you think about this week's books and maybe next week's books, or even what you think about the Batwoman uh, series premiere. So give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. Well, I think you're overselling it. I think we'd like to know. I don't know that we'd love to know. No, we would love to know. I mean, I'm wearing my sexy pants right now. Would love to know. (laughs) I I, kind of would like to know what your sexy pants are first of all <laughs> they're 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 parachute pants with no underwear Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you want to let us know what you think of that, um, you can hit us up on our social media accounts i o m geek on Instagram and Facebook at ideology madness on Twitter. All right. Well, guys, I've got to go because I've got some untitled goose game to play. So, uh, (laughs) well, why don't you 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 hammer dance all you the way to your iPad and uh, take care of that. (laughs) Talk to you guys later. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.